We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. I'm sick. Hi, Roth. Um, hi, sick. I'm Dave. <laughs> oh, who's the dad here wow. now? Terrific. Wow. Yes, the student has become the teacher. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry you're not feeling well, man. Did you get uh, germs from every single person in your family over Thanksgiving? Yeah, we had the uh, the usual holiday. It's going around shit. So yeah. my we we went and visited my parents, and then we came back home, and then my, my daughter was like, I have a cold. Can you test me for COVID? And I tested for coach. She didn't have it, but she just had like a regular ass cold. And then she's like, can I get some my boyfriend? And I was like, well, no, you're getting sick. Also, she was grounded for another reason. And she was like, ah, anyway. Insubordination. Yeah. And then, and then she, I was like, oh, I think I got to touch whatever you got. And she's like, it'll get worse. And I was like, well, that's not fun. Don't tell me. <laughs> so I'm loaded up on gypsy cold care tea and lots of, uh, you know, downing lozenges every five seconds. How you nice. doing, Raw? That was your Thanksgiving. Pretty good. I uh, had a nice time with my family and everything. I got, uh, my dad is old and sometimes gets too tired to do stuff that he didn't used to get too tired to do. So I got pushed into emergency quarterback mode on making the turkey, which I'd never had to do before. How'd it you came do? out good. I did all right. Uh, like it was, you know, you'd follow directions in a recipe and uh, like it's turkey. So no one's like expecting it to be that good, you know, like so you can kind of just get in with uh if you cook it through, which I did, and you season the outside of it, which I did, then right. you know, you're pretty much exceeding expectations at that point. But yeah, was it was it dry? Right. I mean, turkey is only grated in dry or not dry. That's so it was sure. not dry. All uh, right. Yeah, which I was very pleased with. And that was also like that was the goal, basically. Like obviously I did not want to make anyone sick, but at this point, it's like I don't even know. They could just get a plastic turkey and put it on the end board and everybody could look at it and be like, wow, so brown. Like there's like three people in the family that eat it. Two of them are my parents and the other one is me. There's no real reason why we should be doing it still. But, um, you know, it's tradition. Yeah. They bought it. You didn't want to throw an 11 pound turkey in the in the garbage for no reason. I love turkey. It's, it's bad when it's dry though. And you, you slice it. And instead of slicing it, like it kind of crumbles the white yeah, meat. Yeah, you're getting the uh, the sort of like, the turkey dandruff. Oh, oh I yep. fucked this up. And my my mom, she made her stuffing, which I always make every year myself. But I haven't been to my parents' house for Thanksgiving in a very very long time. So my dad, he was sick, and uh, and my mom told me after I ate the stuffing, it was so fucking good. There was so much stuffing, there was none. We I ate so much stuffing, there was none left over. Wow. She said she made it this year with Wonder Bread, and I was like, get the fuck out, because it was so good. I feel like this is the. Like where Thanksgiving is heading in our family too, that there's this bifurcation between like all the old timey stuff is steering, like it's just pure Eisenhower at this point. And then everything else is like somebody makes a kale salad, you know, yeah. like we're in <laughs> there's like present tense, like food ways. And then the rest of it is just getting more and more Jurassic. In that sense, I think Wonder Bread uh, fits. We should ask our guest how his holiday was. Yes, we should bring in uh Defector's foremost Epicurean. It's Dave McKenna. He's our guest this week. Hi, Dave. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. Hey. Whoa. Wow. This is... <laughs> so So that's hey, what... wait, wait. Back to me. Back to me. This turkey thing. I can make, like... I'm the worst ass cook ever. I can do like toast and a steak on a good day. That's all Lyndon Johnson ate, Dave. But I, I did a turkey this year, and I nailed it. I nailed it. Here's the key. You, hey. I read... I, you Google. First, you Google... And I soaked it in salt water for 24 hours. That's right. It's oh, you brine the motherfucker. It's called brining, but it's just soaking in salt. And it, it was un unbelievable. I'm glad to hear That's you. awesome. By the way, one thing about cooking turkey I should note is like, 
You know the little pop-up timer that comes with it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worthless. It means <laughs> nothing. It's absolutely Delicious dark. is the way I remember. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It always pops it goes up down and, easy. <laughs> like, you get the butterball turkey, and I remember from the ads, like, it would pop up, and I'd go, oh, that means the turkey's juicy and ready to go. It doesn't mean jack fuck. <laughs> comes out a little harder than it goes in with that pointy thing. <laughs> I had the experience, too. Uh, I, should, I should mention this, that I wrote the... Uh, blog post for last week's episode with Jasper Wang um, from home, which I, I have probably written maybe two blogs for my parents' house in the entire time that I've been there. They didn't have wireless for the longest time. They just basically have tried to keep the house as close to the way that it was in 1991 as possible. And that's uh, that's their values. They have wireless now, so I did get to do it, which was a really interesting experience, like being sort of like, I don't want to say that I was maybe mildly high. Somebody might have been. I don't know. You're not going to get arrested if you tell us you were high. I can get arrested because it's, well, I can't. Yeah. Well, it's plausible deniability. Somebody who was involved in listening to that podcast on the evening that it was released might have been high. And I was laughing all over again at the... um, the stupid like dad brain name mistakes that we discussed with Jasper at the end of it. And there's been a nice long tail to that as listeners have sent me all of the different uh, names or movie titles or whatever that they or people in their family have botched in the, uh, in the week since that episode came out. And I wanted to share one of them with you now uh, Please. from, from a listener. This is a, a guy who's worked in radio, including with uh, the iconic Christopher Mad Dog Russo. And, he uh, says that some of the engineers on Russo's show had kept uh, just sort of like little files for, not for blackmail purposes, more for just personal home use of different things that Russo has said wrong on the radio uh, so that they can just listen to them over again. And the one that he uh, flagged for me, which I've been thinking about and sort of saying to myself around the apartment uh, since I read the message, was that... Uh, Apparently, during a show, this would have been in 2018, uh, the great C.J. Fogler is trying to track down the audio. Um, Mad Dog referred to then met as Drubal Cabrera as as Drubal Cabrubal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I just recommend that, you know, obviously now I've said it, try it out yourself. See if it works. Uh, you know, maybe at home you would find an as dribble kabruble useful <laughs> at moments of uh you know despondence or or doubt sounds like a roll doll character i love it it's like right between roll doll and then just like a doomed pod racer from the star wars prequels <laughs> either way it's not uh, like harry potter fanfic or some shit yep. <laughs> mckenna i got some quality mispronunciations from my mom on thanksgiving i'm gonna give you two of them bring them all right so instead of vegan she busted out vegan. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for vegan, like from the star system. Vegan. That would have been so much better. No, the way they you, they never mispronounce things the way you expect or hope them to. And then the other one was IKEA. She pronounced it IKEA. Which, <laughs> and my mom has shopped at IKEA and has pronounced it correctly in the past. So I don't quite know where the lapse because she's got she's got all her marbles. She's perfectly with it. I think I've heard her say vegan normal, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have any mispronunciations from my Thanksgiving, but I did hear a vegan joke that made me LOL out loud. Oh. And Ooh. it was, how can you tell if somebody's a vegan? Oh, they'll tell you. Yes, it's true. Uh, ah, it's like that. Uh, there's a Kurt Vonnegut <laughs> line about how you could, you could always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much. Like that it is like the, I think that there's something up to that, that 
works. Yeah. We had a we have at this point like a full quorum of veg or vegan people at Thanksgiving, and as I said, it's like they're not really missing out on much, you know. Like, and I also I had the experience of like my whole vegetarian family standing around when I was like beginning to prepare the turkey, and they were like, "Hey, are you gonna reach in its asshole and pull the giblets out?" And I was like, "Get out of the kitchen." I don't have to tell you what I'm about to do. I'm the guy who, oh. I'm the guy who gnaws on the, the turkey neck and my wife is disgusted. She's, yep. I'm like, this is the best part. She's like, oh, I'm sure it is. Doggy. You look like a weird old dog right now. Uh, we have we have actual uh, matters to discuss with Dave McKenna, including matters uh, tending to Irish sports, which we will get Whoa. to, Dave, I promise you. But yeah. first, Wow, how'd you know? First, we need to talk about what happened profiling. this week at, uh, at the August sports we have to talk about what happened at the August Sports Illustrated this week. On Monday, a reporter named Maggie Harrison of Futurism, she published a report that found that Sports Illustrated had been publishing anodyne chumbox articles written by people who seemingly did not exist and whose author photos were sourced from a website that sells AI-generated photos of people under descriptions such as neutral white male. <laughs> I, For the record, that's me. That's a description of me, I and I resent that they have stolen uh, the description of me. But anyway. This was something that Eric, our producer, pointed out before we started recording that Drew Ortiz, who has the neutral white man uh, JPEG, is basically like an agglomeration of every sports. Like if you were to ask every person to describe a sports writer, like a thousand people, and then you were to like have a police sketch artist draw something as a result, that's, it's Drew Ortiz. He's not, but he's not crossing specialist. his arms and being like, you think you're a good team? Prove it. Yeah, like, that's it's, he's not hitting like the Greg Doyle pose where he's like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> but that's the difference. Sources told uh, Harrison that these articles, like the author photos, were AI generated. When Harrison asked Sports Illustrated about it, Sports Illustrated and first didn't reply. Instead, they memory hold all that content, and then they issued uh, a statement denying the use uh, of AI. And let me uh, let me read that statement to you, Roth, and to McKenna. Uh, SI, it was in a tweet, they stated, Today, an article was published alleging that Sports Illustrated published AI-generated articles. According to our initial investigation, this is not accurate. The articles in question were product reviews and were licensed content from an external third-party company, Advon Com Commerce. A number of Advon's e-commerce articles ran on certain Arena websites. Arena is the, the weird company that owns Sports Illustrated now. We continually monitor our partners, and we're in the midst of a review when these allegations were raised. Advon has assured us that all the articles in question were written and edited by humans. According to Advon, their writers, editors, and researchers create and curate content and follow a policy that involves both using both counter-plagiarism and counter-AI software on all content. Wow, it's like the opposite of AI. However, Amazing. we have learned that Advon had writers use a pen or pseudoname in certain <laughs> articles to protect <laughs> as, author privacy. As the term is, the pseudo, <laughs> Two pseudoname. Words. A pseudoname. Yeah. Well, a, I don't speak French, a, but I think I catch your drift. A synonyme for that might be pseudonym. <laughs> but uh, actions we don't condone, uh, Sports Illustrated sternly says, and we are removing the content while our internal investigation continues and have since ended the partnership. All right. So, Dave McKenna, uh, here is here are some of my, I have a bunch of questions, but Dave, let me ask you, do you believe Sports Illustrated when they say that these articles were written by humans and would it make it any better if they were? 
Well, they, they took too long to answer, so obviously they weren't written by humans. But that that statement itself, it, it reminds me having having a high school student as a son, like what they what all the kids do. The kids are the biggest users of AI. They take they get AI to write something, and then they fuck with a few words, and that's what that dude did. He got AI to write a statement, and then he put. Mm pseudo name yeah you know he changed pseudonym <laughs> to pseudo name very no clever will, no one will taking a thing out. that's a word and then making it a hyphenated non-word the technology but, hates that drew but, ortiz wrote that statement in his own words so. <laughs> on a on a on a higher plane no but just speaking of myself like hey i've I, my i will have my 38th year as a typist uh january 6th is my first day at work in, ah, in congratulations. yeah and i have spent 37 years and 364 of those days knowing I'm about to be replaced anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty used to this, but I'm very sure this is, this this is the end. My only friend. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is it. Wow. You pessimistic. I never, I never had to pay. (laughs) Can we, can we add some, uh, Jim Morrison style, like (laughs) sitar embellishments under Dave's statement there. So I, I feel like. The horror, the horror. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that it is ominous, but not an ending. I feel like it is the sort of, it definitely feels AI, as Dave pointed out, and I think people were making this joke online, but I don't think it's 100% a joke. Sports Illustrated's statement also reads like AI wrote it. Like, it is just illiterate. And, or I mean, it's not illiterate. What it is, is like, there's a thing, it's hard to put into words, and I wrote, 2000 words about this story between uh like Monday evening and and Tuesday morning and I still don't think I'm able to quite capture what is uncanny about AI language that there's something about it because it is only fed off other stuff Alex Perrine wrote at our website a while back that it's it's more designed for book reviews than for books and I do think you know to Dave's point that that is mostly what AI gives you. If you start with zero, it'll get you to something authoritative sounding that is roughly as likely to be wrong as not. And that will also be vague in all of the ways that the program has to be vague because it doesn't fucking know anything. And it's only fed on stuff in a way that is like sort of value neutral. Like it doesn't know whether what it's like rehashing or paraphrasing is right or wrong. So the stuff is going to come out kind of like chipper and authoritative, but also vague at all the points where you'd want it not to be vague and generally kind of like circular and obvious by the time you you get around to the end of it. And that, of all the ways that sports writing can be bad, and I think all three of us are connoisseurs of bad sports writing just by default of having to read a lot, this is bad in a way that like Woody Page has never been bad. Like it is like, think of like the shittiest sport. I mean, not to, he's had a wonderful career, like Jay Mariotti, you, any of this. Stuff. Are you afraid of offending Woody Page? I'm afraid. Yes. I'm afraid of getting mute. I don't want to get muted. But Mar- the Mariottis and the Woody Pages were never accused of being boring. This is bad and boring. Yes, and, um, exactly that. I, that's its biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't have a voice of any, or at least the voice that it has is kind of this like helpful, like it's the voice of fucking Clippy from Microsoft, right? Like, so sort of showing up and bobbing and being like, it looks like you would like a vague opinion about a product. And in this instance though, it's like, it'll never, like it'll replace certain things. Like it's definitely going to make it easy for kids to write 
C minus papers that possibly get them in trouble if they get busted. I don't think that it can replace actual like human language because there is like there's just some really important parts missing there. Uh, it sure feels bad though. I mean, especially as somebody who grew up revering Sports Illustrated, it's just like to yeah. see this shit happening yeah, yeah, there, man. Yeah. It just is. Great. Yeah, we're all. I think we're all old enough to sort of. You know, I don't want to turn this into the fucking Tony Kornheiser show. But it's like going to happen at some point. We might I, as well just do it. No, now. but I, I grew up with great reverence for Sports Illustrated and like great reverence for like Rick Riley when he was good and S.L. Price and and Steve Russian when he had he had like Rohan Lodkarni, yeah, Emma yeah, Bocelleri, like the yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it was it was it was great, and it was like it was sports writing because because you know the internet didn't exist, so it was like you once that came in the mail every week, it was like. You know, it was it was like gold because it was like it was the only shit you were gonna get all week. You know, yeah. and, and well, I, I remember when, like, when I first subscribed, and Sports Illustrated was the Bible because you know there was no internet. That's where you learned about someone outside of your town was, was right. Sports Illustrated. And I actually I filled out a card. You'd punch how many issues you want, and then you would send in. I think it was fourteen cents cash per issue. And I sent it in, and was like, I had just gotten my paper route, and it was my paper route money, and um. I, I remember the first issue showing up. It was Tom McMillan of Mansfield, Pennsylvania, a high school kid who went on to be a congressman, senator, and longtime uh, fifth, fifth or sixth man at <laughs> the uh, and and he he was uh, and, and I was like the I, you know it was incredible. It was a I mean it, it you know it, it, to get really cheesy, it's probably how I ended up and it had a huge role in how I ended up doing what I do, like delivering oh, the Washington Post. And oh, there's Sports zero Illustrated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it inspired all of us to be. The other thing I want to add, though, is that, you know, we're talking about it like it's entirely been cannibalized. This is the part that I find most infuriating about it is that so the company that bought Sports Illustrated when they uh, took over laid off half the newsroom in one go and they've continued to sort of winnow away at it since. There is still a magazine. There's still a website. The people that they have writing for it actually at the website, not at the affiliate sites, not the sort of Drew Ortiz's that they're spinning up out of nowhere. There's still fucking world-class work getting done at Sports Illustrated by like some of the best sports writers writing about sports in the language. Yeah, like, our friends is, Emma Bachelieri and uh, and Rohan Narkarni. Yes, they're but great. also it's like Tom Verducci still writes there. You know that like, Pat Forty still writes there. Like, it's crazy to me that they are, like, willing to spend the money to continue to put out a very good product. Stephanie Epstein, like, this is, like, the people that I look for first when I'm trying to read about this stuff. They're all still there, and they're all still doing it. And they're just, at this point, surrounded by, like, slavering bots and, like, shitty, unedited affiliate stuff. Like, it's... That to me is the depressing part that like somehow it'll be easier to mourn it when it's gone. But this idea of trying to sort of be those two things at once and you could definitely see where the ownership's interest is and like, you know, what they actually want it to be going forward. That part of it is, is grim. It's a mix of big names and, and pseudo names. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it is like the absolute and high low. And it used to be I worked at places where they were like, yeah, the SEO stuff will support the real journalism. Like that was like an idea. 10 odd years ago when I was at SB Nation, that was part of what it was, that the team sites would float the broader enterprise with their traffic. And then, you know, I would get to go to Qatar to write a story about that or whatever. And 
it was cool. It worked. It's just like it only works for as long as ownership cares about it. At some point, if they're like, well, part of this makes money and part of it doesn't, why don't we just do the part of it that makes money? I'll tell you, uh, Dave, I, I, so I share Roth's, uh, well, disgust, obviously, because there's obvious fuckery afoot, right? There, It's not that, I don't know that it is a sign of the death of journalism, but it, it's a clear attempt by the people who own these these places. And as Sports Illustrated's hardly alone, and I'll talk about that in a second, in trying to make their workforce, if not automated, at least significantly cheaper while they can still game uh, search engines and and other internet tricks to, to, to still make money. Where I am hardened is the fact that the backlash to this has been immediate and has been immediate pretty much everywhere that, uh, you know, sort of masses of the universe have tried to sneak AI content onto readers. Yep. So New Coke Deadspin did it, of course. They tried it. And so I, I, I'm i heartened by the fact that when these people, when we identify AI content, and we can't always, like, it's not always possible because we're so also used to spam and shitty chum box content that even if that's written by a human, and maybe this SI shit was, that it's it's almost indistinguishable because, like, like you were talking about school, Roth, like school kids are essentially taught to write like AI because they have to have like, you know, paragraph one has to have this and paragraph mm-hmm. two has to have that. And then you sum up with, well, it's a land of contrast. So it's like, <laughs> like we're churning out students to, to hit certain marks when they write stuff. That's sort of like the basis, the foundational basis of writing, right? And it's, there's nothing wrong with that because you learn how to become a better writer from there. But, uh, you know, when people see this sort of basic ass shit, even if they're not quite sure it's it's AI or not, they know it's bad and they don't want it. And that's good, I think. Unless they find a way to make these articles both accurate and readable. And McKenna, it seems like you think that they will be able to do that. Yeah, I, I don't see what what's because obviously this is baseline AI right now. I don't think what can stop what can stop it. Why? I mean, if, if it if it proves unprofitable, which I can't imagine, because like if you pay, even if you if you pay one one cent for a story, it only has to make two cents. Um, so it doesn't like they don't really need to make much. And the smartest people uh, on the planet are, are 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 developing greater levels of this. So uh, are yeah. they smart? Well, that's I think the heck Dave is really? right. To a, I think the smart people are doing the computing. Uh, everybody else that's involved in it is so unbelievably cretinous that I'm not as worried about them. Maybe that's whistling past the graveyard. I don't know, but I feel like it's the sort of thing where like, I, cause I think to Dave's point, like that's correct insofar as like it is getting better at, you know, grabbing and arranging stuff from elsewhere on the internet. Right. Like it is good at that. It's just that at, if once they have to pay for that stuff, once that stuff becomes less freely available, uh, they're going to have to grab it from somewhere else. And if they're getting it from places where it's free, this is why Elon Musk's AI, which is uh, powered by Twitter, is like racist. Is that it's like it's pulling posts from Twitter. It's pulling bullshit from a bullshit store and then it's eating it and then it's excreting more bullshit and then it's feeding off of that to produce more of it. So there's definitely a chance that it dies of dysentery Instead of, uh, or I guess it would be cholera in this case, if you want to follow the metaphor through, sure. that it dies of that before the computing gets where it would need to be. I'm just excited for it to replace podcasting with like sort of like the automated YouTube voice you hear on some, you like, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> this video game will make you come in less than five seconds. Like I. <laughs> Well, Let's, another uh, thing is like people as uh, uh, we're, we're, like we 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 care, you know, kind of because our 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 livelihoods are right today. Um, at least your guys' livelihoods. My future is the pasture, but the the rest <laughs> of the people don't care. Like I don't give a fuck if my turkey recipe that told me to brine for twenty four hours in salt water was was a was a uh, AI. Just like you know, I think most of America doesn't care if, if they're told why the Washington commanders suck by a machine. Oh, we uh, we get to talk about that right after the break. So let Ooh, stay right where you are, David McKenna, because we're gonna come right back and talk about that and Irish sports. But before we cut to break, uh, just a reminder: the December is meat tea month. Y'all want some meat tea? Well, you can get a free 100% all beef meat tea with any large Billy Biscuit <laughs> meal. Available only for a limited time at Sausage Barn. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Drew, and this week we're sponsored by Caldera Lab. Men's skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best this holiday season. It's super easy to add your morning and nightly routine, and it gives you the confidence that comes with clear skin, fewer wrinkles, and signs of aging. Caldera Lab Skincare invites you to join the 100,000 men who trust them to show your best first impression this winter. Caldera Lab's regimen includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate starts your day and ends your day. The face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother and helps reduce visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. I use the base layer and I use the good every day and I swear to God it makes me look like a Goddamn movie star. Like a movie star, I tell you. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use distraction at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with the code distraction at calderalab.com to make an unforgettable first impression with the best gift of this holiday season. That's 20% off at calderalab.com with the code distraction. Distraction is sponsored this week by Uncommon Goods. It's officially time to kickstart your holiday shopping, but there's no reason to panic. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. I have been doing this process myself, and what I've enjoyed about Uncommon Goods, beyond the fact that it's easy to use and easy to navigate, is that you can sort of wander in there the way that you might wander into a mall or a department store in terms of figuring out maybe you want to get jewelry, maybe you want to get clothes, maybe you want to get leather goods, maybe you want to get strange sports-related gifts. They're there. There's lists. You can search stuff. There's a multitude of options, all of which are findable and all of which are fairly reasonably priced. Also, when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone, and not just the same lackluster gifts that you can find just about anywhere. With every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give $1 back to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. 
To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash distraction. That's uncommongoods.com slash distraction for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer from Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. We're back with Dave McKenna. Dave, it's time for wow. the Irish Sports Minute. Oh, you wow. Are, you are very horny, not just for Ireland, but for Irish sports. Can you tell us what's going on in Irish sports right now? I believe there's a boxing thing you wanted to talk about. Yeah, would your old foggy do-ass, you mind uh, <laughs> break? <laughs> well, you know, that all comes into play, as as a matter of fact, foggy do. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, no, I... That, I, I favor the country of Ireland. My, uh, my grandparents are all from there. And I also pretty much all I talk about guided by voices in Ireland <laughs> and, um, not in that order. And, uh, well, over the weekend I watched Katie Taylor, who is a, a Irish female boxer who, uh, won an Olympic gold medal and became a hero because Ireland has very, very few gold medals and they celebrate the shit out of everything they win. Um, <laughs> and, and so she, she became big, you know, over a decade ago and and um she's a great person she's like real admiral great role model incredibly irish and 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 also uh the best women's boxer you could say in history she now holds undisputed titles in two weight classes at the same time is this uh, official and, boxing or is this bar knuckles no no this is this is <laughs> it's big it's big i mean you know she so she sold out like madison square garden she was a headliner at madison square garden so she's she, it's not like she's unknown or anything but she's a goddess over there and uh on saturday the, in front of the craziest crowd you'll 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 see uh she she beat uh she avenged her only defeat against Britain's uh, Chantel Cameron. And it was a fucking fight. I mean, I recommend everybody go see this. You know, this, you can, people poo poo women's boxing and, and, and women's sports, but fuck them. Go watch this fight. Anyway, and, and, and it was at a time Ireland is in a very, had a very bad week. They had, um, uh, there, there is a, uh, Trump like wave going on over there and where, um, Ireland took in more Ukrainian immigrants than any other uh, EU country per capita. Uh, that, that was the, 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 the line. Anyway, I haven't fact-checked that, but I believe it to be true. Uh, and, AI told me that that is true. Yeah, is true. And, and that has, you know, Ireland is a country where if, if Europeans came over there in any numbers, it was to take over the place, you know, and throughout their history, and usually from uh, across the across the, the channel. But uh, uh they, they took in the, you know, they wanted immigrants. They asked for immigrants to come, come to Ireland because they, they, their population only 2022 reached its 1841 level because of uh, immigration and the famine. So they, they're very kind immigrants and they're very, you know, the, the prime minister is the, ch is the children of, uh, of, of in Indian uh, immigrants. And, and uh, then there was a stabbing uh, in, in Dublin. And, and it, it out of that, uh, it turns out like the person accused was it was a, 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 an immigrant, and this crazy America-like you know white supremacist Irish supremacist wave just came downtown Dublin, started burning shit, and like saying we got to get the immigrants out, and it was very, it it, it was very sad. Because Ireland has, you know, for all their the problems they've had over the centuries, they they really take 
being nice seriously. Like if you saw the Banshees of Inishirin, like the meanest thing that uh, that that the the feuding dude, one feuding dude, can say to his his his, his nemesis is, "You used to be nice. You're not nice." And that's like, and and they really take it seriously. And this was like admitting, you know, if you face this, you know, we're no better than it. You know, the Irish have to admit that they're dealing with immigrants like the worst, worst, uh, you know, places around the world. They're, they're, um, and it embarrassed the country greatly. And so Katie Taylor's thing coming on the heels of that really, it meant more than a fight because she's this nice person. Everything. So beating and, a, beating a British boxer at Croke Park was meaningful to Ireland. Is oh, that what you're saying? It, well, well, it wasn't Croke Park. Okay. It, wasn't. it was, it was, it was at the, the arena, that, but out of that, this was, she had lost to her earlier this year. Katie Taylor had lost to Chantel Cameron. Her name was a really good, uh, British fighter. And, um, this avenged that, and and it was such a hit. Like the crowd was so crazy, the fight was so great. They're now talking that they're they're going to do the trilogy called the first trilogy in women's professional boxing, uh, and they're going to have it at Croke Park, which is eighty five thousand seater. Uh, that you know, we'll see if it comes off. But that uh, it, it was it was really exciting, and and um, I felt good about you know my peoples. Uh, and and in the middle of this, this brings up like. I didn't say like the, the, the guy who's now put himself at the head of the anti-immigrant wave is Conor McGregor. Oh. This motherfucker comes out of nowhere and starts blasting everybody about the immigration. Ireland is at war, he says. And, and you know, why the fuck? You know, it, it, it just so happened that at the same time, you know, several days before he comes out with this you know, pretty much launching his political career. He was supposed to, I don't know if you guys follow him at all, but he, uh, he, um, is he still fighting? In any he way? is not, allegedly, right? he got his leg turned to dust in the octagon last time out. And, uh, it, like it literally like just it pulled like a Louisville basketball player. He just broke kind of a non-contact just disintegrated. And just rub some proper 12 whiskey on it. We've gotten better. Yeah. I, and, and so, uh, it, like, but this was going to be his comeback. It was supposed to be at UFC 300, and then last week it began coming out uh, that they're not they're they're backing UFC is backing away from that. So his career might be over. You know, it's definitely um, you know it's not going well for him. So he he takes up this political stance, and and like he's a he was like you know linking himself to Katie Taylor. He was a sponsor of the fight, and they asked him not to show up. Um, because of this, it's like in these two, the combat athletes, uh, of Ireland, Katie Taylor is, is, is gallant to his goofus. And it, it's a, um, it's a compelling uh, little soap opera now. Cause he has, he has the international renown, but he's widely despised over there. I mean, he has fans for sure, but he's, he's a clown. Yeah. He's a yeah. piece of shit. Like, I don't think, I don't he's think he's a known a, piece of shit. I feel like it's been like five shit. years too, yes. but. Uh, yeah. Also, he's uh, according to Eric, our producer. He's being investigated by police for instigating these riots, and you know it would not be Conor McGregor's first time uh, being in trouble with the law. He is a he's an outlaw in the not the most romantic outlaw. It would be his first time actually getting in trouble for it. But yeah, yeah, they're 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 looking at him for for uh, hate crimes because of his Good. tweets. Yeah, fuck him. He's a piece it's, of it's, shit. It's bad. Uh, let's come back across the pond, McKenna, because. Bring it. Yeah, you are, uh, of course, you live in D.C., as I do, and you have spent decades covering 
the now commanders, the commanders just asked defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio after an embarrassing Thanksgiving loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And they will ask Ron Rivera once the season is over, but they aren't going to do it just yet. Do you have any hope that new ownership under Josh Harris will unfuck this team, McKenna? Ah, uh, I, you know, oh, I, <laughs> I, I, do I have hope? I, this is not, this is not, a yes. I don't, I, this is a strong yes. I don't really care. Uh, like, <laughs> there I, you go. Like, I, I, I like Ron Rivera and like, I, like I've gotten to know him and it, 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 it also goes back to my, my relationship with the team. I've been around a very long time. I've had the greatest highs with, as a fan, I've had the greatest lows as a, uh, Sports writer. <laughs> yeah, as a human. Take, <laughs> right. I mean, we, take, I think most listeners know this, but like Dan Snyder tried to ruin Dave McKenna's life. Like he tried to get him fired from his job and put the paper out of business that he wrote for. Wow. You did, you did my back to me for me. I like, that. I did. It's, well, back I, to you. But, but anyway, it's true. go ahead. But, and, and so, so I want to root for people I like now, you know, and I don't really, the wins and losses I've had the wins. I, and I really like Ron Rivera, but he's really making, like he's making it impossible for them to keep him around. I, I, and I think it was cowardly to fire Jack Del Rio, uh, for what's going on. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the top down thing. I mean, I guess of you course. can't fire, fire everybody, but why did well, Rivera should have resigned rather than put out a statement, you know, like the boilerplate, we wish him well in his future endeavors <laughs> statement. Yeah. Uh, for Today Del I Rio. had to relieve Jack yeah. Del Rio of <laughs> yes. tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yes, it was, uh, but so I, I I'm gonna be sad when he goes because I'm sure they'll they'll you know well I'm not sure but you know chances are they're gonna get a knucklehead who who isn't Rivera's a good dude he's a bumbler and a horrible football coach but he's a good guy and I root for him every Sunday harder than I've rooted for this team in a long time. He also seems like the last like he got the job because he's a good dude that that was like what his purpose was I mean he is a bridge between the Snyder administration and the Harris one. And he was there for yeah. the Snyder one. I feel like, and you've said this, I think in Slack, probably even, you know, maybe in the, the previous episode of this that you were on, that he was there as a heat shield. He was there as like the one guy that everyone could agree in the entire NFL had integrity. And he was there to be placed in front of Daniel Snyder, the one person that everyone agrees in the NFL somehow had the least integrity out of anything. Yeah, it was a meat shield. And yeah. when they put him in, if you don't, rem- don't know if you remember this, but there's not, it's just him. Him. There's no general manager. He's he's in charge of the name change campaign. He's in charge of of the public statements about the sexism uh, in in the the, the misogyny in the organization. He had to do that. He was the front guy. It was insane. Is it just that his? If you put his name on a statement, everyone isn't instantly going to fucking scoff at it. That was basically I, I, the calculation. Well, I think all that, and also Snyder didn't want to pay any other people. I mean, like you know, because they were basically paying people to trash him because that was the that was Rivera's job was to you know say yeah this organization is evil and mean. Um, so, uh, I, I want to run a question with, by you about Snyder. I know it's like he's gone. We don't need to talk about him. But this is something we were talking about after David Tepper fired Frank Reich. Uh, it says the Panthers are now on their fifth coach in Tepper's three years owning the team, which is impressive. One of whom was Ron Rivera. One of whom was Ron Rivera. <laughs> uh, but we were talking on Sunday in the work slack about whether Tepper is like cruising towards being like, not like the new Snyder, but like the, cause Lord knows, like we do not need one of those, but whether it's possible for anybody to 
sort of take those reins. And you raised like a, a point that I think about Snyder that I had not, because I kept thinking of him in terms of like all the shitty things that he did and got in trouble for. And you had a point that like basically his real innovation was just that he was at war with the fans from day one. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He came in and he charged fans to go to practice. That was his first move in control. And, and, and from then on, he charged for everything and everything he did was anti-fan. He never, that, that's what set him apart as a bad owner. Like you show me, you know, someone called a bad owner in sports and I'll show you a loser. Um, Snyder was a, was a bad owner and 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 bad guy, a bad guy. To, I mean, blatantly bad guy to the fans. Um, but but winning it, winning would have cared that even winning will cure anything. And so oh, yeah. that um, so that's and Tepper's you know firing coaches is not a, a not a not not a sin among fans. You know they love losers to get fired, but but uh, losing is a sin. And he's you know you can't. Uh, like Joe Gibbs lost his first five games as a head coach, you know, and, and Tepper would have fired him. So, uh, you know, that you, there's no, there's no track record for a guy firing every, every eight games, uh, winning a Super Bowl, an owner who fires a coach, every, you know, twice a year, uh, it's not going to work. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I would love to see, you know, again, Snyder, I, I, re as a human being, I regret not seeing the team win under him to test my theory that he could have gotten away, you know, like with, with the, the, like the Trump, the body on fifth Avenue or whatever, if he, yeah. only, if only he'd won. I, and I, I believe that, you know, he, they, he, you know, he, that I believe that to be the case. We won't know now, but um, I think if Tepper uh, wins, wins a, um, wins a bowl then he's robert Kraft. you know a super bowl it's called the super yeah i but i don't think that i, I agree with <laughs> yeah. that statement i think in the abstract it's just also like really hard that type of owner doesn't win you know that there's like i just feel like that a guy that is like a showboat dancing in the videos like all that shit is like that is loser behavior too i think you're right that like you know, a success covers up for a multitude of sins. And like Jerry Jones did get his early in his tenure. But for the most part, it's like anytime some fucking rich guy from outside of football comes in and starts moving pieces around on the chessboard, like as an organization, you are fucked when that's happening. And it's really hard to get those guys to stop doing that. The only thing that worked for the Knicks with James Dolan was that he got more into building his fucking stately pleasure dome in Las Vegas. And at some point was like, all right, you guys just do the basketball team. I have to go build this orb and make you two play in it every day. Well, well would, Dolan uh, is, is kind of like my role model. Like he's hated, but the things uh, other than, than, than the facial recognition shit, which is funny. Yeah. Like it's, I can't even process his, that shit. He has shit. his faults. But, yeah, <laughs> but, but losing is his, is his number one fault. And, and Peter Angelos too. Like I, they, they, they always Snyder, Angelos and Dolan would always top the polls, and and really the only thing they shared was uh, they they're losers. Um, but uh, like that's what. So when I, when I think about um, Dolan being, I don't, he he's never really a, he he has not been bad to the to the to the fans, other than mm. he has not provided a. Winner. He's bad to fans that like carry a sign that encourages them <laughs> to sell the team. He yeah. like literally the fan, sends he like quiet goons yeah. over if the, the fan seats. is Charles Oakley. He's, yes. He's I was going to say like anybody who pays for a ticket up to and including a guy who played for yeah, the team. Yeah, that's true. He has, he has, he's, he's re regressed a bit. I think the difference is with guys like Tepper and Snyder, like, cause there are other bad owners who, you know, who fire people way too soon. And you know, it, you know, it happened. It's happened with the dolphins. A lot of times it's happened. I, I don't know. You know, the Texans fuck up all the time. 
until they got D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. Um, but the difference with a guy like Tepper is that they come in and they believe they know better than everyone in the building, and they exactly never, that. ever stop believing it. They're never humbled. They're never chastened. The idea that they ever would be is just alien to them. They it's kind of, well, we lived through that with the dead spin takeover by that motherfucker. You know, like smartest yep. guy in the room, like just yep. con condescending is the default attitude. And right. like, how the fuck do you get that way? Like what went wrong in your fucking life? Being rich, right? I yeah. Mean, like, it's, I think it like at a basic level, at like a spiritual level, totally agree. I also feel like, and this is where it like, I mean, Jim Spanfeller was absolutely that. It's the same personality type. You just got to take like four zeros off the bank account, right? But with someone like Tepper, has got billions of dollars, bought the fucking team with cash, you know, like basically like if you've got that kind of money, then like at that point, you, I think the only way that you could be that way. Well, this is not true, actually. There's like little tyrants and maniacs all up and down your life. You meet them everywhere you go. But to be that way at that at scale, you have to have that kind of money. And to have that kind of money means that there's not anybody in your ear being like, hey, you don't know about football. Like, you know about fucking finance or you know about extracting petroleum from the earth. But like, you don't know how to develop a quarterback. You don't know how to fucking run a draft, you know? Well, the other thing but, is that uh, because because he's a billionaire, there are there are a few billionaires, right? And once you reach that echelon, you have such an incomprehensible amount of money and you belong to such a small, small group of humanity, 0.000001% of humanity, that it there, you are psychologically incapable of factoring luck into the equation. I don't think that you can... You can't say I'm the luckiest guy in the world. It's I made this. Yeah. Yep. And once you feel that you are the generator of the billions of billions of dollars that you possess, it means that you feel like you have dominion over everything else. That's that's how I think it works. But isn't that what I mean? That's why I said don't didn't isn't that what we experienced in the workplace? At I think so. It was, yeah. it was exactly that. Like, you know, there are scales. Like, you know, there's always some, there's somebody richer than Tepper, I'm sure. But this guy, he was the richest guy in the room that made him the smartest guy. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I think that. I and think it that didn't matter good. that the ideas were antique, that they barely worked, that, you know, that they, like, that they were going to make the And he's a dumbass. He's a yeah, fucking he's idiot. <laughs> Which is the part of it, honestly, that, like, it's kind of hard. It's tough because, like, people with that kind of money, people with money in general, but especially people with that kind of money have outsized say over your life even if they don't own the company that you work at you know that they're everywhere and that their fingerprints are on everything that we live through but i do think it's important like just as a matter of not even just politically although i think for that reason too but like psychologically to remember that they they suck they're stupid like some of them are less stupid than others but none of them are smarter just because they have this money, like they might be better at like mental math, I guess is like you could say for Steve Cohen or some of these guys. But for the most part, they're unimpressive people who have like incredibly disproportionate sense of their own worth. Like you should laugh at them. It is like that's the right move. There's nothing else. It's to not. Do. It's not. They. It, that's. A, they choose to be fucking assholes. Like DC is loaded yeah. with rich, powerful people, and and uh, I don't know anybody uh, among that crowd who 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 behaves like that. This the 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 Deadspin dude or or or, or Snyder or Tepper. I mean, yeah. it's it's a select few. Snyder seems like a really unusual 
case and I always want to like pump you for more information on him. But do you think he's seen Napoleon yet? <laughs> <laughs> Roth saw Napoleon and I <laughs> I'm not built like other men. Roth and I saw Napoleon and Roth didn't like it as much as I do. It's not it's not a perfect movie, but I enjoyed that that they made the centerpiece of the movie not not like a noble <laughs> Or like, or like yeah. a guy you want to be. He was just a prissy dipshit. Vince Fancini said in his review that the whole point of it is d- depicting Napoleon as a weird little guy. Yeah. And he for sure is like one of history's all-time weird little guys in this one. One thing that I'll say for that movie, obviously it's not, you have to ask yourself whether it's worth sitting through two and a half hours of it. When Rupert Everett shows up as the prish, prissy British Duke that uh, wins at Waterloo, spoiler, I guess, uh, I loved that performance. It was like he was in a totally different movie, but I was so happy to see him. Like just this weird sneering aristocrat being like, the day is mine. Like that <laughs> after watching Joaquin Phoenix, like walk around, like laughing at weird times. I was so excited to see that plummy, weird ham bone performance. Time to open up the fun bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. This one's for you, uh, McKenna. You're going to take offense to it. This is from Peter. Peter says, Sam Howell looks like the commanders plucked him out of a truck stop in Omaha. I defy you to find a player who looks less like a quarterback. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, fuck that guy. Sam Howell's <laughs> awesome. Get it, Sam Howell is the man. Leads <laughs> <laughs> so the, the league Sam, in passing yards. I'd rather lose with Sammy than win without him. Go, co- I love that you, guy. And I don't think this is just the brain damage of a few decades of watching the Durs and their quarterback carousel. I think Sam Howell is this very interesting type of NFL quarterback where he like, he is the man, but he's not really very good. But it is like, it's clear the team fucking believes in him. Like they're gung ho for him. He's always trying shit. It's like, he's got like Brett Favre's charisma and approach but it's in like jp losman's body so it's kind of a little like tragic and he's getting no help i mean he's giving up his health for us you know he is getting the fuck knocked out of him every week and he gets up and he tries you know i like uh i like that he's in the like we i I don't like having to bring up ryan fitzpatrick over and over again but there's a genre of bad quarterback where they're bad, but they pass for yardage and somehow yep. passes for yardage. And when you have a shitty team, it is so much better when that team passes for 300 yards a game instead of 120. Like it yeah. fucking sucks when your team can't pass. I think you have a chance with that type of quarterback that you don't with others. He throws the middle screen into the, the defensive tackle's chest twice a game, but then he'll thread the needle on the 40-yarder, you know, on the sideline, and you go, holy shit. You know, so he, he, he gives you plenty to believe in. And again, I don't think he's getting much help. He's getting, like, I can't believe that, that every offensive coordinator would have his guy sacked as much as uh, Sammy's been sacked. Yeah. So He's also, yeah. I think that this is to his credit, and again, this is Fitzpatrickian, but it's also, it's like all the good quarterbacks have this. And you see the bad ones, having watched Justin Fields on Monday night, to see how, like, terrified he is to throw to a guy that doesn't have, like, major separation from a defender. Sam Howell is not afraid of shit. Like, for better or worse, (laughs) he should be more afraid than he is, but he's absolutely not. It was, like, sort of, like, optimized Rex Grossman, and I like that. Yes, that's really what it is. I was unfair to Lozman. It's it's more of a Grossman vibe. And I, whatever, who's going to be mad at that? 
Uh, yeah. Patrick writes in, this will be the last one. He writes in, if you could travel back in time and body swap with another person, quantum leap style, which athlete's life would be the most interesting to live? Would you go with a big-time QB like Joe Namath or Tom Brady? Just to get a sense of how they tick and what their lives are like? Or maybe a hockey player like Wayne Gretzky who gets the fame but generally lives in anonymity. I would not agree with uh, yeah, the idea that, that Wayne Gretzky lives in relative anonymity. I, th I think he gets mobbed everywhere he goes. But... McKenna, if you could uh, teleport into the body of a famous athlete in history, who would it be? You know, it, it would it would be a bit player on the 27 Yankees. So I just to watch Luke Gehrig and Babe Ruth every day. I, oh. you know, I wouldn't want to be them. I just want to be around. Wow. You know what? That answer would get you into Harvard on your application. Yeah. <laughs> I like the I idea like of it. Dave McKenna's personality in Phil Rizzuto's body. I think that would be a real fun energy oh you know i could come up with like was tony lazari i think tony lazari was on the 27 yankees phil rizzuto was a little 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 young the money store where america goes for money would love the idea of dave being like did you drop a euro you can find it at the money store <laughs> be well 30 like i think that's that's what it's all about i uh that's a good answer though i like that Dude, do you, what do you, I would like, my first thought was like Muhammad Ali or like Michael Jordan or something, which is like kind of boring. I just feel like it would be interesting to see the world as somebody who's like demonstrably better at the thing they do than anyone else in it. Yeah. I would just want to be someone who can just do incredibly kick-ass shit, uh, with, with a basketball or with a football and then like sleeps with a Laha women. Like that would probably be, you know, I mean, it's but not, you're, it's, you're on a podcast with them right now. Or it would be someone like, or it'd be like, be like Michael Vick minus the dog fighting. Like if I could actually do the things, then Mike, I wouldn't fight the dogs. I mean, unless it was like fun, then maybe I would do it. But like, otherwise I wouldn't fight the dogs. Michael Vick's yeah. on your Mount Rushmore of people you want to dine with or whatever. People you want to take over. Wow. Or Bo, yeah. you could be Bo because Bo, you could, you yeah. could play NFL football. You could play major league baseball. And then every fucking mouth breather for 30 years would be like, you were so good in Tech Mobile. Yeah, Bo's beloved. Yeah. <laughs> Bo, Bo is a good one. That's what every, everyone loved. Michael Vick is like Satan to 80% of the people. But yeah, Bo, yeah. I can see. That would be he's such one. a, he, he's, I mean, Mike Vick like has like a broadcasting job now. Like I think he's, he's made it through the, he's made it across the Rubicon. He, like, he looks great on television and like people respect him. Like, I mean, there are like people who, who will never forgive him for what he did. But those people do not work at TV networks, that is yeah. for certain. The bit that you were describing that is, like, I think the most compelling for me, if it really is just sort of a hop-in, hop-out thing, like, I wouldn't want to be stuck in, like, Michael Jordan's head at dinner, but I would love to no. be stuck in his head when he's, like, hanging in the air making a jump shot. And to be Michael Vick at that, like, moment of acceleration on a run where you're just like, I'm a lot faster than all these other professional athletes and I'm just going to run by them now. I think that would be incredibly sick. I just want to make sure that I leave his head. As soon as I cross that end zone line, like, I'm the fuck out of there. Like I'm When it comes home. time to walk the dog, you don't want to be. Yes, there. not so. Or what if you were, like, what if it was, P uh, what if you were uh, Bodie Miller going down the downhill track? Would that be, like, thrilling or would you just be so utterly terrified to be good, that good at skiing that you would just fall and die. I guess this is the difference. Is like if I if it was the sort of thing where like if I were seeing it through a GoPro, but I wasn't wearing a GoPro, I'd be like, yeah, neat. If I were like in that body, and I was like, if you make one mistake right now, like your torso is just gonna detach. Like yep. <laughs> I don't want think I would like that very much. Oh, Tony Hawk, I would do Tony. But Hawk. but I mean, coming from like. For me, like being Michael Jordan or 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 or, or Mickey Mail or anyway, like if I could just you know be single A in Tucson, 
You know, just to, that the separation of to, that of, that it takes to get to that level and where I am would would provide just as much a thrill as being able to do a uh, 360 dump. Yeah, over. like if I could just hit one home run over a oh fence. Oh my god, can you imagine? Because I, I, I never did it. I hit two in softball, by the way, three hundred five feet. Thank you, Dean Marini. Three hundred dollar bat. That would be out of Fenway. I think I won in like kickball, but it was like inside the park. It doesn't count. It's not the same shit, you know? No, you got to Hitting fence. a home run in softball is tough too, because you got to gotta bust ass the whole time. What I want to do is hit a home run and then just really slow down, mm-hmm. like around like second base, take my time, like sort of like talk to the third base coach a little bit as I go by. We do an elaborate handshake. I've never had that experience. Because everyone, until until the invention of the D. Marini double wall bat, you had to be named Moose and be 6'4", 300 pounds to hit a, a, a home run in softball over the fence. But then the D. Marini, like little fucking fat guys like myself, uh, hit them in. Yeah, so that's kind of my, you know, I kind of did uh, inhabit a, a superstar's uh, lifestyle there. For, it, it was just Matt stairs, but yeah. yeah. Just it, it was a thrill. Thrill of a we, we actually we're we're inhabiting the life of Drew Ortiz right now as we as we speak. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Google is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. You can subscribe to Defector.com right now. To Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909 Panera Zero. You can also find Dave McKenna at Defector, which is where you can find me and Roth. Dave McKenna, you are a lovely guest. Oh, again. thanks. Can I plug something? Yeah, plug your podcast. Podcast, yeah. BBC Radio and BBC Podcast. The 1951 Gaelic football team won the All-Ireland title and then was has not won since because of a curse. So there's a series I did on that. Uh, the nice people at uh, BBC and Message Heard. Uh, the Mayo Curse. Coming get your it way wherever soon. you get your podcast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and also I, I've always believed Mayo is cursed, so <laughs> that makes sense to me. Thank you, Thank guys. You. It was it was wonderful to, to just. I, I feel lucky to know you. Aww, Appreciate you. Same. The feeling is mutual, brother. All Very right. Moist in here. Take care. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.